Lord, we thank you that you are the eternal one. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to worship you tonight. Lord, we thank you for the breath that you've given us and eternal life, God, that you've given us and the spirit of, of the Lord, God, that is upon us. Lord, we thank you tonight for what you've done in our lives, and we've come tonight to meet with you. We ask, Lord, for that anointing, God, to be upon your word tonight. Lord, I ask for that anointing to preach and teach as you desire. And, Lord, we all ask for that anointing to hear and receive what the Spirit is speaking tonight. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody says Amen, amen, glory to God. How many of you know that the Lord has called you to follow him wherever he leads? I believe that one of the greatest things that our generation gets backwards is they they kind of get backwards. Who's the potter and who's the clay? Come on. Somebody tries to tell God what he needs to do. The word of God says, who has the mind of the Lord? We've been given the mind of Christ. But yet, the, the, the American Christian church, we like to rearrange this scenario, and we like to be the potter, because we know what we need more than God knows what we need. We know what we need, and when we need it, and how we need it, instead of yielding to the hand of the potter. We ever so politely ask him to remove his hand and move over so that we can do this thing. But you see, God has called us to not tell him what to do. God has called us to follow him where he leads. How many of us can testify? Some of the worst decisions we made in life was when we did it our way. National anthem of hell, I did it my way, right? I did it my way. Yeah, you did. I'd rather do it God's way. And I believe that a lot of times we get in a crossroads in life when we begin to do things the way we want to do things and the way we think things should be done instead of yielding to the leading of God and ordering our life His way. Best decision I ever had in my life was saying yes to Jesus and no to self. Self, you done run this thing too long. You run it into one ditch and the next ditch and the next one. It's time to yield to God. Amen. Well, whenever you got into this thing with the Lord, you, you, you said, Lord, I'll follow you where you lead. And sometimes we don't. I want to bring you back to what God's called you to be, a disciple, a follower, a fisher of men. God's called you to to go where the Spirit leads you, how He leads you, when He leads you, and in the power that He gives you. One of the things that we see here in, in Matthew chapter 16, this is that time whenever Peter began to rebuke the Lord in, in, in Matthew 16. It says in verse number 22, it says, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be afar from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter told the Lord, I've got a better plan for you, Lord. 
I mean, if, if, if there was a point in time that you could just say, you know what, that really, uh, that really kind of categorizes the name it, claim it group. Lord, this is not how it should be. Let me tell you how it should be. We can get into a rut like that. How many of you know what it's like you, when you start complaining and you start bellyaching and you start moaning and you get into a rut? How many of you know what a rut is? You get into bad habits. And I want to tell you something. The enemy loves whenever you begin to bicker and moan and complain about the road that God has you on. I want to tell you something. If God is leading you, you're not walking in darkness. Because Jesus said, he that followeth me, right, shall walk in the light. Not in the darkness, in the light. He is the light of the world. Our circumstances may be dark, but we're walking in light because we're walking in the power of God. In the natural, it may not make sense. In the natural, it may look crazy. But we've got light that the world can't see. They can't see him. They don't know him because they don't believe on him. But he's been given to us. And we follow him. And he's given us light. How many of you have been on a track where God's put you on something and it doesn't make sense to your friends or to your family? It don't make sense to them. But God's given you light to walk in. To follow him. And I want to tell you, the nation of Israel, they got delivered out of their bondage from, from Egypt. Whenever they were delivered out of that bondage, God brought them right into a desert. They went from, they went from being slaves to being nomads in a desert. Where's the promised land? I said yes to Jehovah. And I went from a slave eating three square meals a day, to being a nomad. It's hot out there with no air conditioning in the desert. But you know what? If they had not have bickered and moaned and complained, if they would have trusted and believed the hand of Jehovah over their life, if they would have walked in the light instead of in the circumstance, they wouldn't have died in the desert. And I want to tell you that some folks, they get lost in the desert because instead of walking in the light that God has for you, and he has light for you. I don't know what your situation is, but there's light for you in Jesus. I don't know what the situation is. It could be a hard thing at job. It could be a hard thing in your body. It could be a hard thing in your finances. It could be a hard thing in your family. It could be a hard thing between your ears. But I can tell you this on the authority of the Word of God. If you'll follow Jesus, you'll have light to walk in. You may not know what to do, but God said just follow Him. And, and so one of the things that we see is that when, when they began to bicker and moan and complain and groan and gripe, things went from bad to worse. And, and if you want to just take a minute, look what happened to Peter. I mean, you talk about going from bad to worse. Look what happened next. After he began to say, Lord, let me tell you a better way. This is not the way you should do this. Let me tell you how you should do this. 
Just name it, claim it church right here. This is, this is Peter attempting to be the potter and telling Jesus to be the clay. Verse 23, you talk about going from bad to worse. How would you like for Jesus to call you Satan? That's not a good day. All because he attempted to instruct the Lord. It says in verse 23, but he turned and he said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense to me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Wow. You see, there's a difference between our flesh wants things a certain way. Our flesh likes to be tucked in with that comfortable blanket. All cozy. Our flesh wants to be pampered and protected. But God has a different plan for us. God's doing something on the inside. God said your faith needs to be tried and tested by the fire. So that it can come out on the other side refined unto God. Purified unto God. Like gold that's been tried in the furnace of fire. God's got a better plan. You see, if we had it our way, we would sit on a shelf closed up to the world. And we would just sit up there and collect dust until the day that we die. That's our plan because we like comfortable. Flesh defaults to comfortable. But you see, it, it, and, and whenever this happened, Jesus said to Peter that he was Satan. Now, he wasn't really Satan, but he was operating like that because he didn't like the way this was going. Look at this next verse. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man, how many of you know this includes Women, men, Jews, Gentiles, barbarians, Scythians, Americans. Come on, somebody. This includes everybody. If any man, first century, second century, 21st century, in the year 2023, sitting in a church on a pew, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I want to talk to you about something. You've been called to follow Jesus. I don't know where you're at in your journey, but you're called to follow Jesus wherever he leads. There are things that mark a life that follows Jesus. You see, as we follow Jesus, we'll go where he goes and do what he tells us to do. Do you know that the, the message of salvation is not changed? The method of salvation is not changed. Right? The man hasn't changed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
But what's changed? We follow when it's easy. And we sorrow when it's hard. I'll go wherever you lead when it's easy and comfortable to my flesh, but I'll bicker and moan and complain and instruct you when it's not. Well, I believe that the Lord wants us to get something out of this tonight. How about you? You getting something already? I'm getting something already. But there's more. See, one of the things that we see is as we follow the Lord Jesus, one of the things that happens is we'll begin to go where he goes. And where did Jesus go when he was on earth? Where did he go? He went to the lost. Every time he went to the lost and every time there began to be a movement of God, he would say, "Okay, it's time to go to another town. Why? Because he was seeking to save the lost He says in Mark chapter 1, his first message that Jesus ever preached was repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And when when he says at hand, that means the kingdom of God is as close as my hand is to your face. Kingdom of God is right here. Repent is right here. And if you're following Jesus, your message is the same. You see, we can't say that we follow Jesus if we've never told anyone, repent, the kingdom of God's here. God's called you to do it. Not instruct, well, Lord, you know, I, I just don't think this is the right way to do things. I think that we need to, you know, kind of lower the temperature of this thing and, and, and make things a little bit more inclusive. I think that we need to, you know, take those demands that you have on the gospel and just kind of, you know, move this one around and edit that one out. But the Lord has a different vision. Because God sees that the world has rejected him. The world is against him. You can't be a friend of God and a friend of the world at the same time. If you make yourself a friend of the world, you've made yourself an enemy of God. And so, one of the things that we see that marks someone that follows Jesus is they're carrying the same message to the lost. Now turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. I want to share with you. That was the, 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 the preliminary. Now let's get to the main part. Hebrews chapter 12. Hallelujah. It's not easy to follow the Lord. It's never been easy to follow You see, it costs something. One of the things that the Lord said in that verse was deny yourself. That's costly. That's not easy. I mean, for, for, for some of us, it's, it's you know, it, that's, that's a hard enchilada. But if you ever stop denying self, you're going to stop following where he leads. Notice what the Lord says here in Hebrews 12, verse 1. It says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. 
And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Three things I want to pull out of this this evening. I want to show you. Number one, you're surrounded by, and, and this is in the context of Hebrews 11, which is the hall of fame of faith. This is where our heroes are written of. And you're surrounded by them. They, they, they laid a groundwork for you to follow. Moses walked away from Pharaoh's palace. Amen. Because he esteemed the riches of God greater than the riches of Egypt. All throughout the book of Hebrews, we see these, these great men and, and women of God who exuded faith. It, and, and faith turns away from the flesh and turns to God. And we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses because of that. Number, a couple of things I want to pull out of this. You're in a race. It don't matter who gets there first, but you're in a race. The object of the race is not to get there before your neighbor. The object of the race is to finish the race. Faithfully. Faithfully. The object of the race for you is to finish the race faithfully. Because you don't know where the finish line is. It could be tonight. It could be in 10 years. It could be in 20 years. You don't know where the finish line is. Only God knows. It's appointed unto man once to die, then judgment. You don't know. But you've been called to finish the race. This is important for you to see. The calling of God as you began this thing with Jesus was to follow him. And now you're seeing through the hand right here in the book of Hebrews. Not only are you supposed to follow, but you're supposed to finish this race. You started out this thing when you said yes to Jesus. You started out this thing when you, when you went to that cross and you confessed your sin and you repented and you believed. And you were born again, not by men, but by the Spirit of God. You began this thing that way, and God wants you to finish this thing. You are in a race, not competing against other people, but competing against the things against you. Whenever somebody goes out to, to, to run a race, how many of you know that the wind and gravity is against them? Well, we're in a spiritual race, and it's not the wind and gravity against you. It's the devil and sin. It's the opposition of the enemy. It's principalities and demonic powers that are against you. Your race is not against me. I'm not racing you. I'm not racing you. You're racing against the enemy. You're plowing through headwinds. In the name of Jesus. You've been called to follow Jesus. Where he leads you. 
The word race means challenge or contest. You, you, if you look up that word, it means challenge or contest. It's not, so it's not necessarily like a marathon where you put on a shirt with a number and you just begin to run. It is literally a challenge that God's called you to. How many of you up to the challenge? In Jesus' name. How many of you ready for the challenge? In Jesus' name. Now, the enemy doesn't want you to finish. The enemy, one of the ministers this past weekend, he said the enemy knows how to play his cards. He knows when to play that card. Amen? He knows when to lay that one. He'll wait for your weakest moment to play that card. He'll wait until somebody says a crossword against you to play that offended card. He'll wait until the, the right moment to play the right card. So you have to know the tactics of the enemy. You have to know the truth. And you have to be aware of the tactics of the enemy. Now, this race that we're talking about, it says it's set before you. The race, notice what he says here. Now, I'm going to get to the other part, but I'm, I, this part I want to touch on. It says, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, I love the little Strong's Concordance. I was doing diligence and looked this up. The, the, the running with patience right here, you know what that means? You're not going to like this. Cheerful endurance. Running the race with patience, that word patience there, it literally means cheerful. Somebody smile. Cheerful endurance. Now that is not fun to the flesh. How many of you know that God, if God called you to do it, he'll give you the ability to do it? He'll never ask you to do something in your own strength. Amen. If you'll wait upon the Lord, He'll renew you. If you'll wait on the Lord. If you don't ever get in the prayer closet, you don't ever get in the secret place with God, if you don't ever seek His face with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're not going to be renewed. But he says to run this thing with patience, which means cheerful endurance. Now, I, I want to move back up into this verse and, and, and touch on the other two things briefly. He says, in order to run this race, you're going to have to do two things before that. Number one, lay aside every weight. Number two, and the sin that easily besets you. A besetting sin and, an e and, and a weight. A weight is something that hinders your progress. There are things in our lives that hinder our progress in God. And you need to realize that. Whenever somebody runs a marathon race, a, 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 you know, a literal race, they don't wear jackets and coats. And parkas, they don't wear backpacks. Come on. 
They lay aside everything they don't need for the race. And there are things that love to come on you. There are things that love to weigh you down. Because the devil and every dark principality doesn't want you to finish the race. So there are weights. Think about what a weight could be in your life. Something that hinders you from being who God's called you to be. Something that hinders you from working the work of the kingdom of God. What hinders you from being who God called you to be? From, let's take it back to the beginning, what weighs you down and hinders you from denying self and following Jesus. One more time, where's Jesus? Seeking to save the lost. So God's called us to lay aside every weight. Let me tell you this, sometimes a weight or a hindrance could be a wrong door that the enemy opens for you. How many of you know that the enemy would love nothing more than to open up the wrong door for you? Be careful about what doors open up. The enemy may take you down a, a, a detour that God don't want you to go down to weigh you down. Sometimes the enemy will bring in the wrong person into your life. I've seen it happen. I want to get married. I want to get married. I want to get married. And the first person that has a little twinkle in their eye and smile, they marry, and then they stop serving God days, sometimes later. It happens. The enemy will do anything he can to use an opportunity to distract you from the race. Attachments, worldly amusements, whatever the case may be. In fact, sometimes even godly things can weigh you down the wrong way in the wrong time. How many of you know that you can, you can get too busy with church work? You can get too busy and miss things like Martha did. Martha was cumbered about good things. Isn't it a godly thing to keep your house clean? I think it was Wesley that said, cleanliness is next to godliness. Yes, it's a good thing. But what's more important? God. What's more important? The presence of God. What's more important? Pursuing God. What's more important? Sitting at the feet of the Master. Sometimes we need to say, you know what, I know I need to do this and I need to do that, but I need to make sure that I'm doing at the feet of Jesus first. And sometimes that'll rearrange my cleaning schedule. Sometimes we can get too busy to seek God. This is exactly what Martha was doing and Mary was doing the Lord's business sitting at the feet. So what I was saying is sometimes you can even take on a weight, even a good weight that even appears religious or godly. You can put on a good weight and it actually weigh you down and keep you back. What if Jesus would have never, never rebuked Martha? What if she just stayed 
so busy cleaning that she never pursued his presence. Can I tell you something? The enemy would love nothing more than for you to be so busy doing things in the church to keep you away from the altar. To keep you away from the altar. The enemy would love nothing more than to get a whole bunch of Marthas up in this place. But what the enemy fears is Mary's. If, if we get some Marys up in here, that you know what? Let the kids be loud. Let, let, let that be for a moment. So we don't have someone here or there or this is not right or that's not right. But there's one thing we've got to do the most. Seek his face. Seek his face. You see, the Lord's looking for those, 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 those Marys that have cast aside the weights that, that, that come on them. So that they can follow Jesus. David, I, I, I'm reminded of David. See, you need to hear this. How many of you remember the story of David and the armor of Saul? Is Saul anointed? Was Saul anointed by the man of God? Did God select Saul? Yes. Did the man of God anoint Saul? Yes. Is he the man? Yes. So he is the anointed chosen one of God. And here comes David with courage. And Saul is going to give David his armor. I want to tell you something. You need to be who God's called you to be. You need to be who God's called you to be. You don't have to be an imitator of anyone else but Jesus. You are a unique child of God. You have gifts and callings that only God's given you. You've not been called to follow men. You've been called to follow the man, Christ Jesus. And as you follow him, he'll do unique things through you. You got to get along with him. You have to take that time. Like the old hymn says, take time to be holy. And get along with God. See, if David had not taken time to be holy, if David didn't have a heart for God, the moment that Saul offered the armor to him, he would have put on that armor of Saul and he would have been killed by Goliath. Even though he had faith, he would have been destroyed. You know, there's a lot of well-meaning people. There's a lot of well-meaning people that are being destroyed by the enemy because they're operating in the wrong armor. Go to a conference so you can imitate that guy. Buy that man's book so you can be like him. No, be like Jesus. 
Be like Jesus. You can circumvent all of that by going straight to the Lord. That's what David did. He went straight to the Lord. And something rose up inside of David and clothed him on the outside so that when he went and stood before Goliath, Goliath was defeated by what on the natural eye appeared like just a boy. But in the spirit, David was a giant bigger than Goliath. And one of the things that, that, that we see is that in, in this portion of Scripture here, there are weights that even can be good, and the armor of, of Saul was good for that person for that time. But there are things that you can get involved in, even in the church world, that are good in their time, but they may not be what you need to be doing right now. Lay aside every weight. Does it keep you from the altar? Does it keep you from the altar? Does it keep you from the presence of God? Does it keep you from seeking the face of God? It's a weight. It's a weight. And notice this next part. It says the sin that so easily besets us. A besetting sin, in the the Greek, that besetting sin there, the picture of it is shoestrings, basically, that are undone. How many of you know you can't run very far with your shoes untied? The besetting sin is that way. It's just something that always trips you up. It's that thing that keeps coming back. A besetting sin. Every time your shoes are untied and you begin to take a step, you're going to trip. You take another one, you're going to trip. You take another one, you're going to trip. This is besetting sin. Let me tell you something. God wants us to deal with besetting sin. It's not that you got to deal with it all your life. It's something that God can deal with. But a besetting sin is something that is near and dear to us. These are things that tangle us and trip us up. Now, coming back into running our race with patience, number one thing I want you to see about running with patience, you've been called to be a disciple of Jesus. You've been called to be a fisher of men. You've been called to abide in the vine. You've been called to bear fruit. These are things that God's called you to do with patience. Cheerfully enduring one of the things about a race that I want you to see tonight how many of you have ever run a race before it wouldn't go well if you looked at your feet the whole time you ran if you looked at your feet the whole time you ran you'd probably run into the wall before you made it out of this room And you know, many times in the Christian world, what we're doing, instead of doing what the next verse says, which is looking unto Jesus, we're looking unto circumstance. And if you continue to look at circumstance, you won't make it. Look at the next verse. It says, looking unto Jesus. 
the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, God has called you to look to Jesus, not to your feet. Look how hard this road that I'm on is. Look how hard this, look where my feet are having to walk. I'm going to get wore out. This will wear me out. If I'm saying, look, I'm walking this way. Nobody else is walking this way. I'm the only one that has to walk this road. Look how hard this is for me. Look at my feet. Look where I'm at. I'm not going to finish. I'm going to get plumb wore out. If I continue to do this, I'm going to do what Peter did at the beginning of this message. I'm going to start dictating to God what he should do and shouldn't do. I shouldn't have to walk like this. I shouldn't be on this road. Why I got to walk through this valley? Why I got to go this way? Nobody else is having to go this way. If you do that, you're going to get worn out. The message this morning was that the the times of refreshing comes from the presence of the Lord. What we need in our walk with God is His presence in our lives. I don't know the road you're on, but I know that you need the presence of God on the road. And the thing is, is if you get fixated on where your feet are right now, You're not looking unto Jesus. Refreshing, hope, light, victory comes from looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. But if I'm not looking unto Jesus, I'm looking unto this mud that I'm having to walk in. My faith's going to shrivel up, the light's going to get dim. Hope's going to begin to to fall. My shout's going to be a whimper. My joy's going to be turned to sorrow. And then I'm going to begin to tell God how it needs to be different. Instead of simply keeping my eyes on Jesus. The author and finisher of my faith is my Jesus. And the restorer of my soul, the one that refreshes me, the one that pours his spirit out upon me, the one who baptizes the church in the Holy Ghost, the one who said, if you're in his hand, come on, the enemy cannot pluck you out. That one, that shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd of our souls, that's who we're called to look to. The king, not under circumstances. See, whenever Peter got off track and he got called Satan by Jesus, which is not good. That's not a good day. When you get off track and you get to the point to where you're you're, you're doing something so bad that Jesus calls you Satan, it's because you're looking at circumstances and not by faith at Jesus. 
And I want to encourage you in something tonight. Jesus is the prize. Did you hear me? Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the prize. Let me show you something in, in, in Philippians chapter 3 as we close. Philippians chapter number 3. Hallelujah. Paul writes this letter from prison. He says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 13, Brethren, he's talking to the church, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before. Now, in order for you to reach forward, you can't be looking down. You know what I mean by looking down, don't you? I'm talking about those people that are complaining about their current circumstances. Like Israel did when they were in, whenever they were, they were delivered out of Egypt and they were in the desert. They complained about their current circumstances. They were too busy looking down then to thank God for delivering them. Did God deliver you? Did God deliver you? Then you've got something to look unto Jesus and thank the Lord about. And if you'll begin to do that, you won't be looking down. You'll be looking ahead. He says in this verse, he says, Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto the things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You see, he's, that's who we're looking toward is Jesus. He's the prize that we run after. And we don't know when the race will be over, but we know when it's over, that's where we'll be. God has called you and me to lay aside every weight, every hindrance, everything that weighs us down and slows our spiritual growth, everything that keeps us off track, every besetting sin, everything that comes against us. God has called us to lay those things down and follow him. And tonight, I encourage you to ask the Lord to search you, to show you. How many of you know sometimes there's things slowing you down that you don't even know yet? You don't know what I'm talking about. Sometimes I've prayed and I've said, Lord, I don't know why I feel the way I feel. I don't feel the joy of the Lord. I don't feel the presence of God. Why don't I feel it, Lord? What's the problem? How many of you know sometimes God will show me what the problem is? Maybe it's because I haven't been pressing in. Maybe it's because I haven't been praying in the Spirit. Maybe I've been praying out of routine. Maybe I've been, you know, doing the cheesy prayer. I lay my head down to sleep. Maybe I haven't really been seeking the heart of God. If I'm not seeking the heart of God, how can I expect to feel the power and presence of God in my life? How many of you want to be a Mary? Not a Martha. How many of you want to be a Mary, not a Martha? A pursuer of His presence. 
Even when Martha said, Mary, get up. How many of you know sometimes church folks will tell you, (laughs) church folks will correct you. (laughs) You're not doing that right. Come on, somebody. Martha will correct Mary in a heartbeat. But what Martha don't know is Mary is busy. Mary is busy with the main thing. Martha has chosen the lesser thing. And I believe what the Lord wants to deposit in our soul tonight is this reality. Choose the greater. Pursue the great one. Choose the greater. Because the enemy would love nothing more than to weigh you down and turn you out just like he did Peter in that moment. Amen? Amen. Lord, we bless you tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the word of God. And thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to seek your face. Lord, we thank you for being the author and finisher of our faith. We thank you, Lord, that the victory rests in you. And Lord, you give the victory to those that are in you. And we pray tonight, God, and we thank you tonight, God, that we have tonight the opportunity to look at something greater than our circumstances. We have the opportunity tonight to look at something more beautiful, something greater, something higher, something better than our current circumstances to look unto you to look unto you not unto the world Lord let this be a church that declares as that old hymn we've decided to follow you and we're not going back we're not going back Lord, I pray tonight, Lord, that you would have your way in your people. If you're here tonight and you want to seek the Lord's face, we invite you to come to the altar in Jesus' name and run this race with the patience that God can give you to cheerfully endure this season in Jesus' name. Is your burden 